Okay, so this morning we'll be reading Mark 6, 30 through 44. It says, The apostle gathered around Jesus and reported to them all they had done and taught. Then, because so many people were coming and going that they did not even have a chance to eat, he said to them, Come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. So they went away by themselves in a boat to a solitary place. But many who saw them leaving recognized them and ran on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them many things. By this time, it was late in the day, so his disciples came to him. This is a remote place, they said, and it's very late. Send the people away so that they can go to the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. But he answered, you give them something to eat. They said to him, that would take more than a half a year's wages. Are we to go and spend that much on bread and give them to eat? How many loaves do you have, he asked. Go and see. When they found out, they said, five and two fish. Then Jesus directed them to have all the people sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups of hundreds and fifties, taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to the heavens, he gave thanks and broke the loaves. Then he gave to his disciples to distribute to the people. He also divided the two fish among them all. They all ate and were all satisfied. And the disciples picked up 12 baskets full of broken fish and bread. The number of men who had eaten was 5,000. All right, thank you, Gracie. So we're in this new series called New Year, New You. So excited that y'all are here today. So baptisms is fun. And uh, in a few minutes uh, at the end of the service, we're going to take a few minutes to ordain some new deacons. So a lot of activity going on uh, today. We're in this new series, again, called New Year, New You. And it's not so much about a new, improved version of you. What we're talking about, at least in my mind, when I think of this new you, I think of how the New Testament speaks about our identity change, our identity shift. When we put our faith in Christ, what happens is the old man or the old self dies. It's kind of like the picture of baptism, right? It's, it's buried. And 2 Corinthians 5.17 says the old is, is gone and the new has come. And so there's this new, new man or this new person. The New Testament speaks in this language often about our new identity. And so what we're talking about this year is having an incredible 2021, but, but living in our new identity. And the way that we're going to find full life this year in 2021 is by giving ourselves fully to Christ, community, and mission. Now, you've already heard me talk about that. You heard Jake mention that uh, at the start. This is our mission statement, that we want to help others find full life in Christ, in community, and mission. And, and so we're going to kind of expand on that through the series and throughout this year. We talked about last week, giving ourselves to Christ. And that, that you know, this phrase that I used was that to truly live, I must daily die. So it involves putting our faith in Christ. It involves dying daily, laying down our will and our way to Christ and allowing him to live his life in us and through us. And so we talked about giving ourselves to Christ last week. Today, we're going to talk about giving ourselves to community. And this is the title of my sermon today. It's that God wants to use y'all. All right. And this may be my first and only time that I'm going to use the word y'all in a, uh, in a sermon title. Uh, it's not just for effect. I mean, it kind of is, but I'm going to get to that in a few minutes. God wants to use y'all. So this is the, the priority for me and for our church this year is this idea of community that 
you know, my desire for us is that more and more of us would experience true, good, biblical community in our lives. So I want to define the word community because there's a lot of different thoughts that come up when you hear the word community. Sometimes, you know, if you hear Christ community and mission, you think, oh, our community, like Kershaw County, we live here. This is our community. That's, that's, that's part of it. But when we talk about community, here's a, here's a very basic definition. Community is a group of people who share something in common. A group of people who share something in common. So a lot of times when we think of community, we think locality. Like we share, you know, we all live and work or whatever in this area. So this is our community. But it's really any group of people that share something in common. Maybe it's a government structure, it's culture, heritage. Um, but biblically, when we talk about community, we're talking about, about us sharing this, this like, like faith that we have in Christ and that our relationships are built around that. And, you know, to keep it simple, there's, there's one word that I think of when I think of the word community that helps us understand community. It's the word together. Together, like we're better together than we are individually. And community means coming together, having something in common. Now, I, I heard something, read something pretty recently that... Um, was like a mind-blowing moment. It made so much sense to me, and it helped me when I, when I think about this topic of, of community, especially in the church. <clears throat> you know, sometimes we hear folks, and maybe you've said this before, maybe this has been, or maybe this has been the, the thought on your heart, was that I'm looking for community. Like, I'm looking for relationships. Maybe you came through 2020, do an online church, or any of these number of things, and you realize, man, I, I need people and relationships, and I'm not really connected or tight with anybody in my life that helps me pursue Christ. And so I, I'm looking for community. And that might, might be a normal um, cry of somebody's heart that's trying to find a church. You're looking to find community, a place where you fit in. And, and here's a statement that, that I read that helped me so much. So I want you to think about this, all right? Community is never found, only built. I want to say that one more time because I want, you to, I want this to sink in. Community is never found, only built. Here's what we mean by that. You know, we, we go around looking for something. We're trying to find it as, as if we're going to stumble across community or we're going to like all of a sudden discover it. Like if I go to this church, I'm going to walk in and go, there's community. There's, I found it. It's been lost. And now I found It's not something we find. It's something that we build, which is a whole different mindset. You know, because sometimes we, we might look for a church or come into a church and go, man, I just, I, I want some community or there's no community here. Well, well, here's the reality is that wherever we go, because community is something that we build, we can build community anywhere. We can build community anywhere, but like building anything, you know, building, you know, a Lego project or building a physical building, building always requires work and sacrifice and so if you want community, it's, 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 it's something that you have to want. It's something you have to want so much that you actually go after it. And you put yourself out there to, to, to get it. It's, if, if you're going to build community, you actually even have to sacrifice comfort. And I know this to be true. Maybe you know this too. Maybe you've had opportunities to hang out with somebody and you're like excited about it. And then time comes and you're like, 
you know what, that's gonna, I'd rather just kind of stay home and hang out and not go to all this trouble. Yeah, have you, you, you all ever have that? Maybe it's just the introvert in me that's like, I want it, but then it comes to time, and like, okay, that's, that's a lot of discomfort. I'm gonna have to put myself out there. But building community is like that. We have, you have to want it and go after that. And, 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 you know, loving others and putting yourself out there to be loved or rejected by others, it's, it's work. It's hard to do. You have to build community. And so it's, it's, I kind of compare it to like shopping. Sometimes we talk about church shopping, but, you know, just in shopping in general, you, it's easy to go to a store or go online and like choose something, pick something out and then purchase it, Right. But to actually build something, like, it's, it's a whole different deal. It's easy to go into church and say, I'm looking for community, but it's really hard to build relationships with other people. Because it's easy when they fail you or when they're not quite up to your standard to, like, drop them. And if, if all we're doing is shopping or looking or trying to find, man, we can throw it away. But when you build something, like, when you put yourself into it, man, that's where it's costly, but it's priceless. It's so rich. And so this idea of community, community is powerful. It doesn't require you to have everything in common with others, but it requires you to have something in common. And so I want to use the example of the disciples. And Gracie read the scriptures from Mark chapter 6 just a few minutes ago. We're going to look at Mark chapter 6. I want to just go back to a couple verses here and look at the disciples, because what you find in, in the disciples is in, in this scene in particular, Jesus, um, you know, disciple just means follower. So Jesus has all kinds of like hordes of followers, but he has these 12 in particular that he sends out and they, they, they earn the title apostles, which just means sent one. So Jesus empowers them. He commissions them kind of like what we're going to do in a sense with our deacons in just a few minutes. He gives them authority and he sends them out to heal and to, to preach the gospel. We're not going to commission our deacons to go healing and start healing ministries, even though that might be kind of fun. Um, that he, he sent them out. They, they come back and they report to him all the work they've been doing. And Jesus, in that passage, you know, as, he, as, as the disciples come back, he says, why don't you come away by yourselves to a desolate place and rest? I know you all been working hard and, and all this. You need to, you need to step away alone and, and find some rest. And, and what you see is, is that uh, the crowd comes. You know, they're always following Jesus. They want to be where he is. And so they come, Jesus uh, begins to teach them and serve them. And it, it starts to grow late. And, you know, the disciples are like, you know what, we are, we are pretty tired. We're pretty wiped. Um, Jesus, why don't you tell the crowds to go out into the villages and the countryside and, and go eat? Like, send them off so we can get that rest that you told us that we need in this desolate place. And there's this really kind of interesting exchange between Jesus and his disciples here. Because he's like, why don't you go send them off to eat? And Jesus says, well, why don't you feed them? And the disciples say, with what? And then Jesus responds by saying, well, what do you have? What do you have? And so they, they go and look and they have five loaves of bread and two fish. And so they tell him and they report back to him. And Jesus does this miraculous thing where he, he blesses it. He prays over this small little meal, what the disciples have given him, and it multiplies. And it says at the end of this passage that there was 5,000 men. So it's not even including the women and the children. So thousands upon thousands of people are gathered here. 
And all Jesus has is these five loaves and two fish. And he does this miraculous thing, right? You've probably heard the story before. He multiplies it. He feeds all of these thousands of people, so much so that there's leftovers. And so, like, what's the point of of this whole story? Well, I think when you look at at this this scene in the scripture, the point is, is pretty clear that, you know, Jesus is amazing, right? Jesus is, is powerful. Jesus does some really cool magic tricks, right? He can take a few um, loaves of bread and fish and multiply it and feed thousands. He's powerful. He can do a lot with your little if you just bring him whatever you have. And, and this is really the point of this passage that Jesus, man, it's all about him and his power and his provision that if we would give him whatever we have, no matter how much or how little, he can do so much with it. But then there's another, there's another side kind of story here to this. And, and actually, I want you to look at verse 42. I, I just love this one little sentence here stuck in this story that I think we miss. Verse number 42, it says, and they all ate and were what? Satisfied. It says they all ate, all 5,000 plus of them ate, every single one of them ate. And it's not like, I don't know if you've ever had, you know, like had anybody over your house and you tried to feed people and there was more than you thought, you didn't have enough food. And so you have to like ration out a little food. So it's like, oh, you get a little morsel here for you, one for you, two for me, whatever. You like have to, you know, parcel it out. This, this wasn't like that. Like, oh, they all got a little tiny bite. No, it says they were all satisfied. They all ate and they were just like, oh my goodness, that was a good meal. I'm ready to go take a nap. That was good stuff. They were satisfied. It's, no, it's, it's not like Jesus has just enough to take care of your needs. No, he, he's powerful. He gives you more than you need to satisfy you. But there's a cool part of the story that I think we miss It's that Jesus, he's not just powerful and not just Jesus can do a lot with your little, but Jesus wants to include you in the process. He wants to include you in this. And what I love in this story is, you know, you look back at verses 37 and 38 when Jesus is going back and forth with the disciples. It says in verse 37, he answered them, who give them something to eat? Who do you say? He said, you, you give them something to eat. Verse 38, he says, how many loaves of bread do you have? And then you go on into the story and it says that, you know, he blesses it, he multiplies it, and he gives to the disciples to distribute to the thousands and thousands of people. And then they end up taking up 12 baskets of leftovers. And so like Jesus in the midst of this whole thing, like he does this miraculous thing in multiplying the bread and the loaves, but he got it from this group of disciples. And he included them in the process and he had them distribute it and they collected it. Like, did Jesus need these 12 men to do some of that footwork for him? Did he? No, no he didn't. He, remember in the Old Testament, he fed, like he fed the nation of Israel with manna from heaven. He could have he dropped that stuff in their lap from heaven. He could have been like, boom, here you go. Here is your provision for you. But no, he took what they had. He, distributed, he had them in, in, intimately involved in the process. And so God doesn't want to just show you his power and do a lot with your little. He wants to include you in it. And the cool thing, again, with this story is that when Jesus says, hey, you, what do you have? Or you go feed them. He wasn't just talking to one person, right? 
He was talking to a group of men, this group of disciples who shared something in common. Do you all know what, what, what the disciples shared in common with each other? Like if you know anything about their story, you had like, you had common fishermen, you had this tax collector, you had people who would never ever socially associate with one another who were in this group together. You know what they shared in common? Jesus. That may have been the only thing that some of these men shared in common. They shared Jesus, but they were, they were called by Jesus. They, they followed him, like they stuck with him wherever he went. They went, they obeyed him when he gave them instructions, when he asked them to do something. And they did this all together. And what you see is there's, there's this power in community that God did this, these amazing things in them and through them, that there's power in community. And this, this is one of the reasons why I love um, team sports. Like I'm not a huge fan of, um, and no offense if you're a fan of these things, but like golf or bowling or tennis. I'm like, are those really sports? I mean, I know they are, okay? I'm not trying to offend anybody, even though I probably did. Um, I love team sports, like football or even baseball, basketball, any of these like where there's, there's this group of different individuals who are brought together and they share a common goal. They may be very different from one another, but they share a goal. They want to win, right? They want to win. And so, you know, I love team sports. We'll see how much I love team sports after tomorrow night. Um, there's a big national championship game tomorrow night between Alabama and Ohio State. And if you, um, from one of those places, if y'all can't tell, it's not from Alabama, all right? Um, I'm excited for that game. Maybe. We'll see. But I love team sports. I love like so many different people that come together. And they have, anytime you have a, a team of different people that work together for a common goal, man, are always better together. And one of the things that I think is, is, is overlooked, that we kind of overlook in, in the scriptures. When you look at the Bible, okay, so think of the scriptures. The, the Bible is made up of 66 individual books. One large story, one book made up of 66 books. You have an Old Testament and a New Testament. And in the New Testament, you have 26, 26 books that comprise the New Testament. The majority of the New Testament, 21 of the 27 books are called epistles. They're letters that are written from an author to, to somebody. But most of those, almost all of those, they're not written to like one individual, they're written to a group of people. They're written to an assembly or a community of people. And what you find when you read through the New Testament um, letters, you, you often find the word you. And so the writer is like addressing um, the people, but it's not singular. One of the things we have difficulty with is, is the, the original manuscripts of the scripture were wit, written in Greek and then translated over to English. And so some of the English words, it's like anytime you do translation from one language to another, sometimes words don't always smoothly and easily translate from one language to another. Like there may be, um, you know, uh, one word we try to use in English to express a big idea that takes many, many words in another language. And in the Greek, you know, again, in the New Testament, these letters are written, and a lot of them are addressed to you. But you could, could maybe be translated in English as y'all, <laughs> okay? So, like, when, when, when Paul is writing, for instance, a lot of his letters, he's not necessarily writing to one person when he says you. He's saying you like 
you guys, sorry, got to be a little northerner here or whatever. Y'all, he's writing to a group of, of people. But, you know, we here in the West, we have this individualistic mindset, whereas in the East and, and, and the writers of the scripture, it's this idea of community and it's communal. And so these letters, most of our scriptures, they're not just written to me individually, they're written to us as the church, the community of God. And so this is kind of the, the phrase, this is why I've picked the, the, the sermon title, God wants to use you all. Because you know, we hear this idea a lot that God loves you, God loves you, God loves you and you and you and you and you and, you and me individually, but God wants to use y'all. God wants to use all of us together. God loves you, but God wants to use all of us. So this idea of community, it's not like this little extra thing that God added on. Like God was coming up with a list of things that Christians need to do. Uh, like it's kind of this add-on. Like I think y'all should be in community together. Like you should have, it's not just this add-on to the Christian life. No, community is actually part of the very nature of God himself. And, and this, is, this is one of those doctrines or teaching in scripture that's, that's really like mind-blowing and hard to, to grasp and it's mysterious, but it's amazing. It's what we call the Trinity, that God is a triune being. He is three persons and yet he is one God. You, you heard me reference it when, when I baptized. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit that God exists in community. So this isn't kind of some extra add-on to our lives. God himself, by his very nature, is community. And he calls us into community as well. So I want to go back to that idea that I, I talked about earlier, about community is never found, it's only built. And this is really kind of my big idea this morning, is that community may be organized or it may be organic, but it's always built. Community may be organized. What I mean by that is, okay, as the church, um, I do see our responsibility is to help provide uh, environments and ways for people to connect and to get into community and be in relationship with one another because it's really important for us. And so we try to organize things. One of the things that we, we tried to launch um, in, the, in the middle of 2020 uh, was this idea of what we call tribes. And now, you know, we thought maybe this might take, out, take off, but what we found is, okay, not everybody's ready to go into the homes of other people and be in close proximity. And there was a lot of stuff going on in 2020. But one thing I, I think we all realized was that we need people. That church on a screen isn't enough. That we need to be face-to-face -face and around people um, in order to build community. And so sometimes community is going to happen um, because it's organized. And again, we're working on this year over the next few weeks and months, tribes where 10 to 20 folks can meet in homes throughout Kershaw County and beyond and be in relationship and find community and be challenged in our pursuit of Christ and be encouraged in our pursuit of Christ. And so we're trying to work on those organized things. But I wanna point this out, that community may be organized. Sometimes it happens organically, which means you don't need me or you don't need the church to put you in community, that sometimes it happens because it's, it's organic. But regardless, whether it's organized or organic, it's always got to be built. 
I don't, I don't know if you've ever been in a group before, maybe a small group or a class or maybe like, I don't know, with other students in a project that you got put into this group and you're just like, I'm not feeling it. Like we are, this is just not a good match. I don't fit. I want another group. Teacher, please remove me. Please move me. I, maybe you've been in a small group where it's like, okay, I'm supposed to, these are other Christians and we're supposed to be in this thing. We're supposed to be friends with these people, but... I don't really like these people, or we don't really like the same things. We have nothing in common. And sometimes it feels forced. But here's the reality. We said it before. Community is always built. It's always built. And for us as followers of Jesus, it's built around what we share in common, which may not be a lot of things. But if you're a follower of Jesus... It always centers around the person of Jesus. He is the one that we have in common. And so I want to give you a few thoughts here when it comes to community, because maybe coming through 2020, um, you've had that feeling like, I just, I don't have enough community in my life. I don't have enough friendships or, or people who are pushing me or challenging me or encouraging me in my faith. And I need that. Uh, maybe that's, that's where you're at or something that you've, you've struggled with. I want to give you a few ways to build community. And again, these are organic ways for you to build it with or without my help or without the church's help. And we're going to try to help and serve you and, and do all those things. But, but part of this is on y'all to build it. So let me give you a few practical ways to do this. Okay, so first one is this. Get around Jesus and his people. Get around Jesus and his people. If you want to find biblical community, you've got to get around God and his people. And so y'all are doing a great job. You're here at church this morning. This is a great place to start serving somewhere, maybe another place. Um, but get around Jesus and his people. It's like the disciples. You know what the disciples did? They followed Jesus, which means they watched where he went, they watched what he did, and they joined him. They said, there's Jesus. Jesus is over there. I'm going over there. Jesus went over there. I'm going over there. Jesus, what are you doing? I want to be a part of that. And that's what they did. Y'all, this is so simple. But sometimes we go, I want community, but we don't put ourselves around the places where Jesus and his people are. And so this is a great, easy, simple way to start is Get around Jesus and his people. Come to church. Be amongst his people. So you all know that good things happen when you're around Jesus. Just follow him and join him in his activity. Here's kind of building off this. This is the second thing that I think is so important that I don't think I've ever said this publicly, and I don't think enough pastors say this. This is one of the easiest ways. If you want to build community, if you're like, I can't wait for tribes to start, uh, I can't wait to get connected with a group of people and see if I like them or whatever, you can, you can build community. And here's a simple way, here's another simple way to do it. It's come early and stay after. Come early and stay after. Okay, you're not going to find this like written in the Bible, all right? But this, if you want to get, if you want to build community, if you want to know others, uh, an easy way to do that is to start coming 15 minutes early to church and staying 15 minutes after. Okay, don't stay much longer than that because some of us got a nap, okay? So we got to go eat lunch and nap. No, 
but really, like one of the things I realized in 2020, um, other than I don't love preaching to a camera every week, one of the things I learned was, man, I so miss the few minutes before church and the few minutes after church. Like where I really just get to talk to people and see people and used to get to shake people's hands. Now we kind of elbow bump or whatever. Like I get to see people face to face and there's something different about that. When you hang out afterwards and, and there's people that like, you're not gonna get to know people. If you come, the minute service is starting or more realistic for some of us, five minutes late, right? Okay, I'm not throwing shade because I, I get it. I struggle with those kind of things. But listen, if you show up, the second service starts and you're out the door, the second amen comes out of my mouth, you're probably not gonna meet very many people. But listen, if you do something as simple, if you wanna build community, if you want that in your life, if you hang around for 15 minutes, you're gonna see people you've never seen, even though you've been sitting in the same room with them for years. I mean, we still have people that have been in this church for years that will meet somebody like, ah, I don't, I don't even know that person's name. You've been going to church together for 10 years, but this is because we, we're in and we're out. And again, I'm not trying to guilt trip us, but if you want community, here's one of the ways that you work and sacrifice to build it. Come early, stay after. Come early, stay after. Introduce yourself to people. Tell them your name. Ask them what their name is. Remember it next week. In fact, here's, here's number three. Let me build, again, build off of that. Initiate, don't wait initiate, don't wait. So in other words, don't wait for people to come to you, which people may, and that'd be great. I hope that some people do. I hope one of your, you know, I hope many people do that. But don't wait for others. Be the one who initiates and, and goes for it. It's easy to be like, to come into a church and to sit and wait, and I'm waiting for people to approach me, and I'm waiting for people to invite me in, and I feel left out because woe is me. Nobody, but man, I'm just telling you, initiate it. God has called you to it, so go after it. Go after it. And some of you, I know when I say that, you're like, eh, that's not my personality, all right? I, I don't like to do that. I don't like to put myself out there. I'm an introvert, and I do that in air quotes because I'm an introvert, okay? And I use that because, y'all, if you knew me like 20 years ago, and you knew the so social awkwardness that I'm still trying to work my way out of. <laughs> okay, I may still be in that season. Like for me to go up to initiate a conversation with somebody I didn't know was like, ah, ain't happening, sorry. I'm, I'm in and I'm out, I'm waiting for people. But if you could see, man, like I, I love to do it now because it's not because I'm so great at it, it's because God has grown me in that as I've stepped out in faith and God has helped me to grow in that. So you may not be there, that's okay. But if, if you wanna build community, initiate, don't wait. One of the ways you could do this, some of you are like, I need community like yesterday. I need community like June of 2020, I need it. And I know there's folks in our church that feel that way. You don't have to wait for us to organize something. Again, we're working on those things but you can go after it. Let me, let me give you an example of how you can do that. Um, you may have received, uh, you may see it on your uh, seat or on your table. Um, it's kind of a little bookmark, okay? Um, I love to provide tools and ways to engage with the Lord and scriptures. 
Um, you know, sometimes, you know, you've heard me use the four questions. There's any number of tools, any ways to engage the Lord and, and, and the Word of God. Um, and, and every time I find a good one, I'm like, man, I want to pass this along because I want it to be helpful for people. Because like any tool, it's like it may be useful for a season, and then maybe you move on and use another tool. But I want to introduce you to this tool that has been called, uh, and I just learned about this recently, it's called the Swedish Method. Okay, and I, what's Swedish about it? I have no idea, <laughs> really nothing. Uh, in fact, it just got that name because um, a small group leader uh, in, like, had a Swedish small group of students, and one of the girls did this, and uh, they just called it the Swedish method. So, um, yeah, we're just going to go with it. Okay, so I want to introduce you to this. And I gave you, I gave you these so you could, if, you, if you're interested in using this, maybe you want to do this on your own as you engage with the scriptures. You're like, how do I read the Bible and really dig in? Or how do I have conversations with others and studying or reading the Bible? This is such a super easy, simple way um, through, through some pictures, through icons um, to study the word of God. You could literally today grab two or three other people and say, hey, can we start just like reading the Bible together? Maybe you meet once a week at coffee and you, and you walk through some scripture together and answer some of these questions and you could begin today, this week, to begin building community if you want it. So let me walk you through this. And what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna go through this pretty quickly and, and explain these icons. And then I'm gonna post a couple things this week on social media, just walking through a couple passages of, of scripture and how to do this um, kind of practically. But if you look at these, these icons, the first one is, is a light bulb. So I would recommend, maybe you do this on your own, maybe you get with two or three other people, maybe you, um, you know, tribes that are, are beginning to meet can, can practice this as well. Read 10 or 12 verses of scripture and then walk through these things. The first one being a light bulb. So from the scripture, what, what shined through or what stuck out to me the most as I read the scripture? Maybe it's something I've read or heard a hundred times before, but man, this time it was new and it was fresh and it impacted me. Like, man, it just stopped me. It made my heart kind of jump or whatever it is. It, it was a light bulb kind of moment when you read through it. So what shined through or stuck out the most to me? And then you can have some conversation about that. The next, the next thing is a question mark. So did this raise any questions for me as I read through this? Is there anything that was difficult to understand? Was there anything confusing in here that I didn't quite I don't know why it's here. Or if I could ask the, the writer of this book or I could ask the Lord, like, what does this mean? Like, I have questions. I don't totally understand it. Maybe that helps you on a journey to figure out the answer. Maybe just in conversation with those others, um, they can help you with that. Really, the whole process here is about mutual discovery and dialogue together. So light bulb, what shined through a question mark? Did this raise any questions? The next one is a cross. So where do we see Jesus here? Where do we see Jesus here? You know, Jesus himself said that all the scriptures, all of it points to him, all of it is about him. And so where, how did this passage point me to Jesus or to the cross? Or maybe a question is like, how did this, how did this move me to love Jesus more? How did this stir up my affections for Christ and what he's done for me? So the cross or Jesus, what, what do we, where do we see Jesus here? The fourth one is an arrow, which is, is indicating action. So the, the question you might have or the, the dialogue you might have is, what is the spirit of God leading me to do in obedience to what we just read? 
you know, James talks about it in the New Testament, not to just be hearers of the word, but doers. And so now that I've read this and God has impressed this on me, what do I do with it? What is the personal application? How can I obey God and live this out in my life? Because I don't want to just hear it. I don't want to know more. I want to do something with it to be obedient. And so an arrow is the fourth one. The fifth one is a speech bubble, or I would call it like a share icon. So what is something to share? What's something in here that I could share with somebody? Maybe it's like a friend or a relative. Maybe I could just text somebody something really cool that I saw here to, to point them to Jesus. Or you know, maybe, it's a, maybe it's a believer. Uh, maybe it's an unbeliever. Maybe there's something in there that you see that you want to share with somebody who doesn't know God. So what, what is something to share? Because again, the scriptures, the gospel isn't something that we just take in. It's meant to be given out, to be shared with others. And then there's a sixth one um, that I added here. And this is really for anybody who wants to, to dive in a little deeper. Um, and it's a Bible. And the question would be, why? Like, why are these verses in the Bible? What was God's purpose in putting this in his book? If this passage wasn't in the scripture, what would the Bible lose out on without this? And so how does this fit into the whole Bible? Why'd God put it here? So again, this is just a tool. Again, you can take it or leave it. Maybe you already have a way that you engage with the scriptures. This is a way that, that you could on your own or with one, two, three, 10 others, read the scriptures, make your community center around the person of Jesus. You can talk about what God is doing in your heart and your life. And man, build community from that foundation. And so y'all, again, if you are desiring community, you can go after it today. And that's a tool for you to use. So grab one of those if you're interested in that. Watch our social media uh, stuff this week. I'll do a couple examples for you, put out some other resources for you as well. But those are some ways that you could build community. So I wanna wrap this, this up here. Doing a lot of different things, a lot of components this morning. Um, but everything, really the theme of this whole morning, this whole day is all about community. It's all about community. Everything that we're doing and talking about today is, is about community. So think about, you know, from the start, baptism. Baptism is an act of obedience by one individual, one person, but the beauty of baptism, what makes baptism so cool, like could you get baptized in your pool at home by yourself or in your bathtub? <laughs> you know, I mean, you could, or if you had your own holy hot tub at home, you could, you know, be dunked in the water and that's okay. That may picture death, burial, resurrection. The thing that makes baptism so significant and so powerful is that it's, it's a community celebration. <laughs> that we do this to put our faith on display to, to everyone. It's a community celebration. Every time I've baptized, um, every, every person to some degree or another, um, whether they want to admit it or not, is like a little bit nervous about getting baptized, about coming up in front of people um, and doing this whole thing. They're afraid I'm going to drop them or hold them too long or, you know, people are going to laugh at them or uh, my hair and makeup's going to be messed up. And so there's all kinds, you know, just being in front of people. Am I going to say the right thing? I'm like, all you have to do is say yes. I mean, it's easy. All right? I try to encourage people and, um, you know, put them at ease, um, you know, like I did with Tiffany. I did such a great job of that, putting her at ease. Um, <laughs> Uh, but one of the things I, I try to remind everybody that gets baptized, hey, I know you're nervous. I know it's, this is, can be stress-inducing. 
But what you gotta realize when you get baptized is people aren't here to judge you. People aren't here to like watch you mess up or laugh at you. People are here to celebrate with you. Because this is an amazing thing that you are doing, that you are saying, I have put my faith in Jesus and I am following him and I want the whole world to know. That's a big deal. And to come into your church family and celebrate. So I tell, I told Tiffany a couple days ago when we talked about this, I tell everybody, this is like your family is for you. We're rooting for you, cheering you on. We're celebrating for you. This is a community celebration. And so baptism is all about community. Um, Realm, you may have received this, um, this uh, card when you walked in. Uh, I know it can seem intimidating, but Realm is this piece of software that, again, we're using to um, keep track of all, of all the folks who call Friendship Home. Um, you know, it's a, a church database, which is like a necessity in, in, in church world. Um, but the, the cool thing with Realm is that it's, uh, and we'll talk about this more, is it's, it's going to help us connect more with, with one another. It helps with community connection. In fact, when I came here, the reason we switched to this from a prior database is because I wanted some kind of software that was like an app that we could connect with each other. And this is what Realm is kind of about. So if, if y'all could help us over the next few weeks, um, either fill this out or do it online um, and get your information updated, um, that way we can communicate with you better, we can serve you better, we'll introduce you to this app, um, or you can, you can find it on our website. Um, we can connect with one another. In fact, like our, our deacons, our new deacons coming in, uh, we have a, a, a deacons group on Realm where it's like our chat group, and so that's how we stay connected um, and communicate with each other. And so this, that, that is a huge piece of of community. And so one of my huge goals this year is not just to get tribes rolling, and this sounds really like minor, but to get Realm going um, because it's going to help us connect as a church family. Regardless of what happens with COVID and all this stuff, man, we need community. We need to be connected. Um, just think about worship this morning, singing together and, and, and listening together and all the things that we're doing together today. I think, again, one of the things that so many Christians realized in 2020 was that nothing beats being face-to-face and shoulder-to-shoulder with God's people, amen? Nothing compares. I mean, it's great that we can do the online thing and provide that for folks, and there's that option, but man, nothing compares to being together and lifting our voices together and, and looking in one another's eyes and worshiping the Lord of hosts together as a family. And then this last thing that we're moving into here is we're gonna move into deacon ordination. And um, we'll talk about this more, but you know, these men who are gonna be ordained this morning, um, they serve the church, they serve you. Uh, their goal is to serve the church community. And our deacons make our church a better place. Um, and they serve us well. And it's all about this, this, this community. These, these men are here for you to serve you. And so I wanna, I wanna pray. Um, I don't know where you all are when it comes to community. Um, you know, we talk about helping others find full life in Christ because we believe you've gotta give your life over to Jesus to experience the life that he created you to experience. But then another part of full life is being immersed into community. Not just sitting amongst people, but man, being life on life with others who can encourage you and challenge you 
and help you in your walk with Christ. And so I don't know where you're at this, this morning, this year, when it comes to relationships with others and community, but my prayer is, my desire for you and for our church is that this year we could experience maybe more than ever biblical, healthy community because God wants to use y'all. He wants to use all of us together. He's called us to himself. He's called us to one another. And there's full life to be found as we dive in and do the hard work of building community in this place. And so let me pray for you this morning. Lord, thank you for this community that you have formed. Lord, the reason that we have this community is because of of Jesus, because of what he has done in coming to us and laying his life down for us and rising from the dead to give us forgiveness of our sins, to give us a doorway into the family of God. Father, we can call you Father because of what Jesus has done for us. And we can look to one another and call each other brother and sister because we're part of your family, we're part of the household of faith. You've put us in this, this family together. And despite all of our differences, the most important thing is the thing that we share in common is the Lord Jesus Christ. And so Lord, I thank you for assembling us together as your body this morning. Lord, my prayer for us this year in 2021 is that we would experience community, the kind of community that you've created us for. And Lord, for, for every person that's here that's listening, that isn't experiencing like the fullness of that, um, Lord, I pray that this would be a year where you would draw them in, where you would work in their hearts, Lord, that you would convict them and encourage them to build, to step out in faith, to do the work of building community. And Lord, we, we just want to walk in faith this year. We want to step into that. Uh, we want to be connected as your church so that we can be more on mission to do the things that you've called us to do because we're, we're so much better together and if we would just rally around you and one another, God, you're going to do amazing, miraculous things in and through us like you did with your disciples. And so, Lord, I just pray for all of us this morning for community this year. Lord, I pray as we step into this next little portion of our service, God, as we ordain these five men to serve as deacon, Lord, I just thank you for each of these men Thank you for um, calling them. And Lord, we just want to recognize them this morning. We want to lift them up to you. We want to pray over them. We want to, to appoint them to this um, important, man, so important office that you've called them to serve in. I thank you for raising these men up. Uh, I just pray for this time as we get ready to um, rally around them and lay hands on them and commission them. God, I pray that you would be pleased, and I pray um, that you bless the rest of our time together in Jesus' name.